Okay, you know that anything that has to do with serving in our community, reaching out to those in need, and loving on foster kids really gets my attention. So a book came across my desk, and I knew I had to talk to the authors. The book is City Serve, and you'll be hearing more about it in this broadcast. But first, I just want to share just something in our own home. So just last night at dinner, we were sitting around and we were talking, and this weekend, our girls are actually going to an alumni gathering at the children's home where they lived. Um, they were in foster care for many years and finally were able to um, be at a children's home where they sort of were able to live together. They lived in different cabins, but they got to see each other and be involved in each other's lives. And as we're going back and talking about going back to this alumni gathering and getting to see some of the people that were really caring for them and influential in their lives, um, one of our girls said, I need to show off my parents. And I laughed at that. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, because so many people had told us when we were in foster care that no one would adopt us. Like, who would want to take on four girls? And, um, you know, it just broke my heart to think that that there are so many kids that are getting that message, that are hearing about um that there's no one that will take them in, that no one that will step outside of their comfort zone, no one that will take the plunge. And I think that's true in so many areas, whether it's adopting foster kids, serving the homeless, um, helping with the widows or orphans in other ways. I think there's so many people that are looking at the church and they're saying, okay, um, you need to do something because there's all these needs out there and there's all these people that just want to be loved, that just want to be cared for, and that just want hope. And so that's why I was so excited about this book. And the title is City Serve, Your Guide to Church-Based Compassion. And I was able to um, chat with both of the authors today um, about just why they got involved and their personal stories of why this is so important to them. So um, let me tell you a little bit about them. David Don David Donaldson is the former national director of Operation Blessing, co-founder of Convoy of Hope, and a board member for the Courage Award Foundation and a partner of the National Football League. He's a veteran of Washington, D.C., and he served on the National Council for Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Association. And he's now the co-founder and chairman for CityServe International. So Dave is on our show today. And also Wendell Weizen is a pastor of Canyon Hills Church in California and one of the leading multi-site churches in the nation. And he's the architect of CityServe model in Southern California and is the co-founder of CityServe International. And as you'll see that these men started in small ways. They, they have done amazing things and be able to serve in the community and encourage others to do the same. But they started small. And I think that's an important takeaway for all of us. Um, we cannot change the world um, from the moment we step out the door, but we can take one step and then another and our steps and our love and compassion will change. Maybe not the whole world, but they'll change hearts and they'll change um, attitudes and they'll change people in our community. One thing that um, Dave says in the conversation that we're going to have, he says, community moves at the pace of relationships. And I actually jotted that down as we were talking um, because it's so true that if we want our community to change, if we want to see people come to know Christ, if we want to make a difference, it starts with that relationship. It moves 
at the pace of relationships. So I just know that you will be blessed as you listen to this conversation as we talk about CityServe. You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to heart-to-heart chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, in Walk It Out, what I love to talk to about is people really putting their feet to the pavement and doing what God calls us to. And you know, as an adoptive mom, as a leader of a teen mom support group, I am all about serving those in our community and really making a difference. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I have two wonderful guests, Dave Donaldson and Wendell Bison, and we will be talking about their new book, City Serve, Your Guide to Church-Based Compassion. Well, welcome, guys. Well, we're delighted to be here. Thank now, you. I would just love, um, Dave, will you just first just give us a you know, a 30-second introduction to who you are um, and your family. Dave Donaldson, and I'm married to a wonderful, lovely woman uh, for now uh, 35 years, and we have three children uh, by birth. Uh, One is uh, in China right now, uh, working there. Another is a, a doctor. Our son actually serves here on staff of this great church, pastored by Wendell Benson. And then uh, our uh, other daughter, uh, we adopted out of the foster care system. And so I've worked uh, in Washington, D.C. for over 10 years, part of the whole faith-based initiative, uh, co-founded Convoy of Hope, and also uh, now have helped to launch CityServe International. I'm Wendell Vincent. I pastor here in uh, California. My wife and I, uh, Linda, have been pastors here for 36 years uh, in the same community, same church. Uh, two children, both married uh, in ministry, both of them, uh, two beautiful grandchildren, both adopted, and uh, we're just glad to be with you today. Well, thank you so much. Well, before I ask some questions, I want to just tell you a little bit of my story because this will take our conversations in wonderful places. But my husband and I, we have three biological kids and then we've adopted seven um, from foster care. And our most recent one was just 2016 when we adopted four girls, preteens and teens, a sibling group of four. So that really has just transformed our lives. But I really think back to the moment when I, because I had been a teen mom, um, and our, my pastor had asked me to help start a crisis pregnancy center. And I told him I'd pray about it because that's what you're supposed to do. And I remember sitting on the couch and praying about it, but really trying to figure out how to tell my pastor no. And at that moment, I just felt him 
God speaking to my heart saying, what about the women in your community that were that were like you, that were hurting, that don't have answers? And that really just launched my compassion for those in my community. Before that, I was you know a writer, a homeschooling mom, and just kind of content in my own world. But I would love to start um, with each of you. We'll start with Wendell first. About when was the moment where you really felt God turning your heart towards your community in maybe a different way than it had been before? You know, we started in 1983 here in Bakersfield with uh, a group of people, 16 people. Uh, just started, it really came out of just teaching God's word. You know, as we begin to teach scripture, um, we would run across passages that highlighted uh, people that we call, we say make up our compassion template, uh, God's compassion template, actually. Uh, the, the fatherless, you know, the widow, uh, the, the poor, the hungry, the addicted, the prisoner, the vulnerable, the exploited. As we begin to see that, we, we realize that God's called us to be, as a church, as a community, to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. One of the realities is those who are marginalized have no platform. They can't really speak for themselves. They don't have the voice in community to really uh, receive help. The church has this wonderful opportunity to lean into that and to be a voice for the voiceless. And as we began, it began very small, just serving in small and very unsophisticated ways, but beautiful ways, meaningful ways. Uh, God began to honor that. I think about our widows. We begin to serve widows in our community in very simple ways because we're a small group of people. Now we're a church of several thousand. Um, now we have a, a, a seniors community on our church property of hundreds of homes that widows live in. But it didn't start with a, a huge uh, community. It started with simple, uh, compassionate responses to the needs that were right before us. God never asked us to do what we uh, can't do. He asked us to really do, uh, he doesn't ask us to give what we don't have. He asked us to give what we have and, uh, and do it where we're at. And then he takes responsibility for multiplying it, blessing it, uh, building our capacity as people. Mm, I love that so much. And, you know, I love how you talk about that. You have the community now for widows, but it started with one, you know, it started with, I'm sure, one widow that needed your help, that needed your compassion. Dave, when did it really start for you? When I was nine years of age, uh, my dad was a pastor in Northern California. And one night as my dad and mom were driving down the freeway, a drunk driver slid across the divide and hit their car head on. Uh, my dad was killed. Uh, mother survived, but they literally had to pin her body back together again for her to survive. And 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 Tricia, I remember my two brothers and I going to visit her at the hospital. We peered through the glass into her room, and she was so beaten up and broken, we didn't even recognize her. And so there we were, three young boys, a younger sister, wondering what's going to happen next. Where are we going to get food, clothing? Who's going to take in four young kids? And compassionate, generous people. Uh, they provided hot food and clothing uh, for nearly six months as our mom uh, worked to get on her feet. In fact, as she got better, I mean, the food was so good, we pleaded with these people to continue. Uh, <laughs> my, my mom had uh, many great gifts, but she was the first to acknowledge that cooking was never one of them. And uh, we would joke that 
that most of the time she would use the smoke alarm as the timer. And uh, so we would pray before the meal and afterwards. And uh, But then the big question was, who's going to take in four kids? And this family, the Davises, uh, they didn't have a lot. They didn't have a big bank account. They didn't have a big house. In fact, they lived in a single wide trailer. They already had two kids of their own, and they took all four of us in. And I recall that day walking up to this trailer. I was scared. I I wondered, would this be another stop along the way? Would they really want us, keep us? And Mr. Davis, he gave each of us hugs. And this is what he said. He said, you are with family and this is your home. And that four-letter word with, it changed our lives. Uh, It was a turning point for me because it meant the Davises were willing to not only share their space, but they were willing to share in our pain, our sorrow, our anger, and to even invite that into their home. And so years later, you know, instead of becoming bitter towards God and angry at this man who killed our dad and debilitated our mother, uh, I remember praying, you know, God, I want to be like those people. I want to be like those people that served our family when we lost everything. I want to be like the Davises that invite uh, people into our home uh, that, that need us to be with them uh, when they're, they're lonely, grieving, hurting, and just need somebody to care. Mm, that is an amazing story. And I just love, I mean, if it hadn't been for them, I mean, where do you think you'd be? Because it would be hard when you have that anger against the drunk driver. Um, And look at where you are now, because they were willing to open their home and to give what they had. Well, it's like Wendell said, God's not asking us to give what we don't have. Mm -hmm. He's asking us to share out of what we do have. And that's a principle throughout the Bible. It's called leaving the corners of your fields. We all have a field and that field that represents our time, talent, resources, and we're to give the first fruits of that field to our church and through our church, to our community, but also to leave the corners uh, for the poor. And so if we will follow that practice Uh, with our giving and serving, the Bible's clear that he will expand that field. He will expand our capacity to serve and to give. And that's why I like to say, if God can get it through you, he'll give it to you. If God can get it through you, he'll give it to you. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, when I think about me, when I first, you know, reached out to the first teen mom, um, I did it because when I was a teen mom, when I was pregnant, 17, dropped out of high school, a group of my mom's friends from church and my grandma's friends reached out to me. They would come over and pray. They invited me to Bible study. They gave me a baby shower, um, which, you know, here I am, you know, feeling so ashamed because here's this church girl that's pregnant, you know, dropped out of school and they gave me love and they gave me compassion. And we never know who it is that we're giving compassion to, what God's going to do through them, like how God's using both of you. And um, today, now I'm an adoptive mom and a teen mom support group leader. Um, We just need to be the ones to be the hands and feet of Christ to give out and serve and give what little we have. God can expand it. He can go with it. Um, But we just need to give what we have. Now, I would love to hear just about how you two connected and to hear more about CityServe. 
Man, it was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In 1988, uh, through a mutual friend, uh, the former general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, Dr. George Wood, a great man, great leader, uh, I met with him and shared with him the uh, really a vision and heart for what has become Convoy of Hope, uh, but also how I wanted my family uh, to be tethered to a a local church that was modeling it. And he immediately said, I know exactly who you need to meet with. And so uh, Wendell and I met and the rest is history. Uh, And our our families, our close friends, our son is on staff here, uh, here in Bakersfield, which we're so grateful and, and proud of him. And uh, so that's how we met. And tell me more about City Serve and just what is your desire? I mean, I know there's a the book of City Serve also, but before the book, I mean, there's been movements in communities going out and reaching out and really encouraging churches to make a difference, um, not just opening our doors, but really going out into the community and serving other people. So tell me more about that. Well, CityServe was really launched to be a church empowerment, a local church empowerment entity, just to come uh, alongside uh, churches and communities where there was a heart to work together, for churches to work together to uh, respond to the needs of their community. There are across this country, Tricia, um, thousands and thousands of churches, local churches, small to medium-sized churches in neighborhoods that are hurting that um, feel like they're all alone. Pastors feel like they're all alone. Uh, Many times they feel under-resourced to respond to the needs right around them. And so we're advocating for churches working more cohesively together, that we cross uh, denominational lines, that people who are willing, that that love the Lord, that believe in the authority of Scripture can work together to respond to the needs around them. We really can't get much done if we do it uh, by ourselves. You know, John 17, Jesus prayed uh, to the Father and he said, uh, you know, my prayer is that the church would be one so a lost world would uh, believe in the living Christ. Uh, Our greatest witness in our community as a church is to move together, to work together. And so we're advocating for churches to begin to lean into the brokenness of their community together. You know, God's designed our bodies so that if there's a wound on your body, all of your white blood cells run toward that wound to bring healing. And in the same way, the church many times runs from the the greatest darkness in our community out of fear. And so we're encouraging churches just to work together, move together, to find ways to serve their community. And God will honor that and bless that. And what it does, it elevates the entire community. It raises the spiritual tide in a city if the church will really work together. Yeah, that's so amazing. You know, after we moved to Little Rock, um, we were looking for a church. We moved from Montana to Little Rock. And really, I mean, we went to churches and we go on Sunday and they had wonderful programs. But there, Little Rock's such a multi-ethnic area. Um, and I know there's so much with the civil rights movement in the past that I really felt a desire to 
go to a multi-ethnic community. We, we go to Mosaic Church in inner city Little Rock. And I had um, led a teen mom support group up in Montana before. And really, I thought, am I going to be prepared to help the teen moms in the inner city? It's not rural Montana where there's cows and fields. Um, it really has needs all of its own. And what I discovered as we opened our doors and just started welcoming teen moms is yes, we gave them diapers and clothes and gave them parenting skills. But really, I think the most important thing that we were doing is just opening our arms, giving them a hug, telling them we're so happy to see them and just reaching out with compassion. And I would love to have either one of you share about that because I think many times when people think about maybe going into areas where you know, maybe they weren't raised in that type of environment or they're unsure how to handle, you know, teen moms or homeless people or widows. Um, talk about just what it takes to open our arms and to care for just those in our community. Well, it's just a matter of being willing to engage, you know. Um, we encourage churches, pastors uh, to move toward really a lifestyle of compassion and to uh, encourage their people in that direction. It's not, compassion can't just be uh, uh, an event. It can't just be like an episodic outreach we do annually. It really needs to be a way of life for us and our congregations. One of the things that's happened, you know, in Western Christianity is we've sort of pivoted to a model where uh, people go to church, thousands of people gather in churches across America and listen to a pastor teach and a worship band lead worship and they leave thinking, you know, I've done my thing for God this week. I'll see you next week. Kind of a, the idea that church is just something you go to, as, a, as opposed to church being who we are. We, we have to become the church in community. So we say that, you know, Jesus, and he, he talked about the white harvest in John 4. He said, you know, don't say that four months and then the harvest is coming. I'm telling you that the harvest is white ready right now. The challenge is that the laborers refuse to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll raise up laborers. And in our churches, there are thousands and thousands of people sitting each week that that's the army of God. And we have to begin to uh, encourage them to, to really see themselves as going out into the mission field as they leave the church and living it out day in, day out. And so we encourage churches to get on a journey together in their community, churches working together, praying together, serving together in their community in an ongoing way uh, so that they can respond to the, you know, the systemic root problems behind their social ills. And as they do that, both uh, God will honor that and bless that. But as they do that, they'll grow because you can't serve, as you know, being a, a mom that's adopted foster children. You can't serve the fatherless without it changing you. You can't serve the poor without it changing you. There's always a corresponding sanctification that takes place in the life of a believer. And so we really mature and grow as believers as we live it out. It can't be just a message we're listening to on Sundays. It has to be a lifestyle that we're engaging in and we're living out day in, day out. Absolutely. You know, Tricia, there's... Obviously, so many needs and opportunities that are, you know, not just across the, the seas, but across the street. I think of where you're at right now. You're in the Little Rock area, which is experiencing severe flooding. And there's so many things that, that your community and those that are not living in your community can help. 
your neighbors uh, that have lost everything. I remember when uh, we responded to the hurricane victims of Sandy and Convoy of Hope always uses a church as a staging area to help these families. And the news media, they were there and they were interviewing people and they interviewed this single mom with her kids and they asked her this question. They said, is this your church that is helping you? And she replied, it is now. <laughs> and so yeah. right now, you know, where you're at and really as a nation, uh, we need to we need to experience a full court press of love and compassion to help those that have lost everything. And and I can tell you that was CityServe, our partners, World Vision, Convoy of Hope, great ministries like Operation Blessing, Samaritan's Purse uh, are racing uh, the resources. Uh, but we desperately need volunteers you know, that can help with distribution. But then you're helping these families you know, recover. And the church is best positioned to provide that continuum of care you know, for people that have not only lost possessions, uh, but they're also experiencing the trauma. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, sometimes we think that when the Bible says, you know, go into the world and make disciples, we think it's just about the preaching part. But really, people know and see our love and can see Christ through us as we're helping them, as we're giving them a warm meal, as we're offering them clothes, a place to stay. I know our church is busy this week doing a lot of those things, reaching out in our community. But I know even in our regular Thursday night meetings with a teen mom, you know, when she sits down and I share a devotion or share my heart or share a Bible verse, she's had a meal there. She has diapers to take home. She has clothes for her baby. I mean, all those things. She knows that someone is there and loves her. And it makes a complete difference to me just walking up and saying, hey, let me tell you about God. And, you know, when I've already served her and met her physical needs. And I think that is sometimes we forget. We just think it's all about the words when we forget about their physical needs. And this is why we wrote the book, City Serve, Your Guide to Church-Based Compassion. It's 40 different contributors, 40 experts in compassion. So it's filled with practical models of compassion and generosity and kindness uh, written by pastors business leaders, government, nonprofit leaders, philanthropists. And, you know, you read uh, just some of the endorsements on the back of this. Ann Byler, the founder of Auntie Ann Pretzels, says it's a chicken soup for the soul type mm. book that comes at a perfect time when businesses are encouraging workplace compassion. Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the Family, said, this is a tremendous resource in the critical work of embracing struggling families with the hope of Christ. And then Rick Bizet, who pastors a great church down the road from you in Conway, a New Life Church, he said, I buy a book hoping for one good idea. CityServe has a hundred. And, and then there's just so many others that are in this book, like the CEO of Habitat for Humanity the president of World Vision. And so we, we called together, you know, all of these resources, principles, best practices, models uh, that are scalable for any church, any community. Yeah, and that's what I love is that you, it's not just your stories, but you brought together 
other people that are really being the hands and feet of Christ, that are reaching out and that have their own stories. And I think that makes a big difference. Why did you decide to do it that way, to bring in all these stories instead of just writing it um, just from your points of view? You know, it's um, we believe that every community has uh, unique opportunities and unique dynamics. And um, we felt like uh, getting a broad group of leaders from across the nation would really better serve the reader, that he could understand and see how compassion can work in any context. There really isn't a place where compassion doesn't work. It works in every context. We like to say that compassion and kindness is like a superpower that the Lord gives to us, that when we are kind to people and compassionate with people, that it causes the barriers to the gospel to be lowered. Uh, Romans 2.4 says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And so the message, really a message of compassion and kindness, really calling God's people to recapture their place in community. Um, Many times the church has become known more for what we're against than what we're for. Um, The church really is for. Jesus said, you know, there's a thief that comes to, to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, life to the full. And so we believe that uh, the church is, you know, to be the advocates for the fatherless, uh, the poor, the hungry, the, 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 the widow. As we do that, um, we, we earn a right to be heard in people's lives. They, they will listen to us in a different way. And the gospel is much more effective. It penetrates much more dynamically in the context of compassion. Hmm. The other reason why we wrote uh, City Serve Your Guide to Church-Based Compassion is that we believe that God is destined uh, for spiritual leaders, pastors, lay leaders uh, to take their rightful and responsible place as influencers. And so we wanted influencers to provide practical ways for leaders to take their rightful and responsible seat at the table. But it's like the the game of musical chairs. If we do not take that chair, it will not remain vacant. It will be Mm -hmm. filled with those that do not share our moral biblical values. I worked in government in D.C. for over 10 years. Government is well-meaning. There are Christians that are strategically placed in federal, state, and local levels. There are people that are not Christians that are there for the right reasons. But as an institution, it's trying to provide hope without faith, and that doesn't work. You know, Hebrews 11.1 is very clear that the root system to hope is faith. It's faith in Jesus Christ. In deliverances, for example, from addictions, I served on the National Council for SAMHSA, Substance Abuse Mental Health, the Center for Substance Abuse Treatment. And I can tell you, just by being with experts uh, on that commission for four years, that it takes the work of the Holy Spirit to bring about a change of heart and habits in people to be fully, completely delivered you know, from addictions. And so we brought together these influencers to show other leaders in these communities how they can be influencers. And we call that for-profit leaders. And that's P-R-O-P-H-E-T. So for-profit leaders. Mm. 
That is so good. And you know, what point I want to continue on here is that if we are not going to step up and do it, the world will in their own way that doesn't offer the hope of Christ. And I'm thinking about when we are training for foster care, there are organizations in our area that are, are Bible-centered and Christ-centered, and they train foster parents. But because of my traveling and speaking schedule, um, those things were held mostly on the weekends. And so we went just through the training at our local DHS office. And I remember sitting in there to be trained as foster parents with all these other couples. There was about 20 other couples. And we knew that there was one other couple that was a Christian in there. And most of them were very blatantly not Christian. Um, And I remember my husband and I walking out and saying, would you want your children to go to any of those homes? Because just the way they were talking and um, just their lifestyles. And we're like, no. And those were the ones that were getting, they got placements right alongside us, um, which just makes me, you know, just put the urge out there to, to Christians, like open your home. Like if you have an extra room um, in our home, we actually took out my office and my library. I'm a writer um, and put in two bedrooms. <laughs> so, you know, if you have any extra space, um, there's a child that not only needs a home they, and needs a family, but they need to know the truth of Christ because there's other people that are stepping up to take them into their homes that will not teach them about the gospel. So true. So very true. We, uh, as I mentioned, hosted uh, for the Bush White House uh, the first ever summit on foster care and adoption. And we brought in over a thousand uh, clergy and we were on one side of a partition. On the other side, they had the Children's Bureau had agencies from all over the country. And the idea was uh, to bring the clergy together with these agencies to find homes for these kids, as you've described. And so we kicked it off. I was supposed to introduce the Secretary for Health and Human Services, Tommy Thompson. And I started sharing about the biblical mandate where God said, I'm a father to the fatherless, but a piece of that that's often left out reads, and he puts the lonely in families. Mm-hmm. He puts the lonely in families. So we have the homes. We have the mandate. We have the homes. So I said, there's just one thing that I'd like to add. And I looked at this partition and then back at Tommy Thompson and said, Mr. Secretary, tear down this wall. We want these kids. And and so it was really an incredible couple days, but it's an example of what can happen and how many of these social service agencies, child welfare are looking, desperately looking for good families to take in these kids. But you're right. If we do not take these kids in, if we do not rescue these kids, they're not going to remain in limbo. They're going to be brought into homes, again, that that are being led by values that we do not share. Right. Well, you know, the first thing I think um, as we bring this to a close is get a copy of the book for your church, for your pastor, for all the pastors on the staff. Um, But what other steps I can take as people are considering, you know, what difference can I make in my church and my community? What are some first steps that they can take? Well, you already mentioned the first step, buy the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You buy it on Amazon or you can buy it through cityservebook.com com, but uh, I would read through the book, and as Wendell mentioned, there are such 
of practical, scalable principles and models all throughout this book. And the bottom line is that you can do it. You can do it. We lay out the seven building blocks to becoming a for-profit church and leader in your community. And so how to know your community before you fix it, how to build relationships with other community influencers, because community always moves at the pace of relationships. Representation, how to bring honor and elevate other leaders and ministries in the community. Results, how to build programs that are sustainable. Uh, Resources, we show you how to garner resources through foundations, through donors, through the government. Uh, Recognition, how to really use your your community and creativity to honor job providers, for example. We call it labor of love, how to host a labor of love weekend. And then finally, replication, how to build, as Wendell has shared, these proven sustainable models uh, that you can strengthen and expand in your community. And who knows, could be across the country, like what's happening with CityServe right now. Absolutely. You know, and I know that one thing that I always say is a prayer that God will always answer is, Lord, show me how to serve. Um, and he'll always bring someone to mind. He'll, well, this book will definitely put ideas into your, into your mind, into your heart. And, you know, as you're reading it, um, the Holy Spirit is going to be there. And I think, you know, there'll be something in this book that's going to prick your heart, that's going to get you excited, that's going to really kind of stir up your passion for those in your community. So I think it takes, you know, just sitting down and, and we have such busy lives, but this is what matters to God. You know, he tells us to care for the orphans and the widows and to give and to serve and take some time, buy this book for your passion. Or buy it for yourself and really consider how you can make a difference in your community because each one of us can. If if the both of you can and I can, each of us can make a difference in our community. Amen. So well, well, thank said. you. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I appreciate all that you're doing. And I'm going to have a link to the book um, on the show notes so people can go there and check it out. And um, I just appreciate all that you both are doing and how you are just inspiring and encouraging Christians to get out there and make a difference in their community. Thank you, Tricia. And thank you uh, for modeling, you know, for, for so many uh, what it means you know, to really model true Christianity to care for the orphans. Yeah, thank you so much. Now, can your small steps of faith make a difference? I think that after listening to today's podcast, you will see that they can. First of all, with Dave, how that family just reached out to him and his brothers in their greatest time of need and their compassion really transformed his life and who he is today. And then Wendell was talking about just 16 people set out to serve the community and now CityServe is in many cities all over our country and volunteers are going out into the community. Um, And it's just amazing how those small steps of faith really make a difference. Now, in the broadcast, I talked a little bit about some of the times when I really felt God, God stirring my heart, sitting there on the couch, feeling led to start a teen mom support group and a crisis pregnancy center, and then also the stirring to adopt kids from foster care. That came from God. And 
you know, I briefly shared about those things in this podcast, but if you want to hear more, you can check out my book, Walk It Out. And Walk It Out, really the radical result of living God's word one step at a time, shares those times in my life where I really question God, like, God, why are you wanting me to step outside of my comfort zone? I think all of us want to be in that comfort zone. We want to have things easy. We want to have a clean house and an easy life and have enough money. But time and time again, God asked me to step out. And that's where the name of this podcast comes from. That's where the name of this book comes from. Walk it out. Do what God is asking us to do. Just take the first step. And the prayer he always answers is, Lord, how can I serve? He will put someone on your mind, someone on your heart that needs truth, that needs your love, that needs your care, that needs your compassion. Um, But what stops us? Okay, I'm going to get a little bit preachy here because this has been on my heart so much. What stops us from stepping out? First of all, it's our comfort zone. We like to be comfortable. We want things to be easy. Well, things are not going to be easy in your life because it's life. Like things are going to be challenging no matter what you do. But if you are following God and stepping out, he will show up in ways that you never even expected. And there's so many times when I'm driving to a teen mom support group and I'm exhausted. I have kids running around. I may have written that day and I am just completely wiped out. But as I go and as I serve and as I love on those young moms, I just feel God moving through me and it just transforms me. It's not only helping them, but it transforms me in the process. And You know, it has been one of the hardest things ever adopting these seven kids and I'm exhausted. My house hasn't been clean, I think, from day one after these adoptions have been finalized. But these kids have a home. They have a family. Their lives are completely transformed. And it just takes us being willing to step out of our comfort zone. Um, The second thing is fear. I think so many times we're afraid because we don't know what's going to happen, but none of us know what's going to happen and we never know the future. We spend so much time using our imagination to fuel those worries and those fears instead of just turning to God and focusing on him. And that's what today's walk it up verse is today. Um, It's John 12, 24, and this is from the Amplified Bible. And it says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Just one grain, never more. But if it dies, it produces much grain and it yields a harvest. And that's what Christ is asking us. He's asking us to do what he did, to die, to die to ourself, to die to our comfort zone, to die to our fears. And when we do, when we say, God, I relinquish myself to you. I relinquish my life to you. I relinquish my laundry pile to you. I relinquish um, my steps to you, whatever it is. Um, When we relinquish those things, we're willing to die to our own desires, to our own comfort, to our own pleasures. Um, He is able to produce a harvest that yields so much more than we could have ever imagined. And I love to see even now our very first teen mom support group that I started in 2002. Now those teen moms are in their early 30s and they have teenagers of themselves and so many of them are walking with God, serving him, depending on God. And Um, It just took me going Thursday nights, telling them about Jesus, telling them about how Jesus transformed my life. So 
Let me just pray for all of us today. Lord, I know it is so easy to get, first of all, um, caught up in our comfort zone because we want things to be easy, but also we have these fears of what's going to happen and what, how is our family going to respond and what if things are going to be hard? Well, things are hard, but that doesn't mean you don't call them to us, Lord. I pray that today that we may pray, all pray that prayer, Lord, show me who to serve, how to serve, knowing that you will step it out, walk it out with us, through us, in us, and use us. And I pray that you may be glorified as we're willing to step out of our comfort zones. I pray for Dave and Wendell as they continue to encourage and inspire other people as they can continue to open up um, new doors to step through as they continue to encourage the community to be your hands and feet. I pray you will bless them and bless each of us as we step out today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out today. I thank you for um, just your heart for wanting to do what God asks you to do. I know because you're listening that you care about doing the things of God, about walking out his truth. And I pray that you will be encouraged today. Now, if this episode encourages you, share it with a friend. Let them know um, about how God has used these men and how he can use them too. So let your friends know. Um, and then feel free to email me or drop me a line at hello at trishagoyer.com and let me know what this broadcast meant to you, whether it's this episode or any other episode. I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much, friends, and I pray that you may walk out what God is asking you to today. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.